Chicago Where the fire serve cold But the wolves and the hawks never shiver in the snow The bulls keep it running, the Sox run the south The Cubs run the north, but the Bears run the house Two Chicago sports fans got the ears to the street Any team make a move and they never skip a beat And in this house, this is where we be Welcome to the show with E-Rock and Big Z Welcome, 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 welcome to Chicago, the home of the WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. Coming from the True yeah, Chicago, yeah. <laughs> coming from the True Chicago Sports Fan Cave. This is the TCSF podcast with E Rock and Big Z. <laughs> Episode 67 is brought to you by 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Grit, Clo- Grit Clothing Company. Don't forget to go to the gritclothingco.com and get your official TCSF podcast t-shirts. Search for keyword True Chicago and use our promo code TrueFan15. That is TrueFan15 for 15% off your entire order. Get your official TCSF shirts now. Right now <laughs> as always i'm big z and i'm here with my boy e-rock what up e what's up z what's up ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show if you're a first timer or a long timer please remember to hit that subscribe button that notify button and go ahead and give us a review on your listening app of choice and don't forget you can support the show with a monthly subscription at anchor.fm slash true chicago sports fans go on over there and click on support and you can subscribe for as low as 99 cents a month do you like the show then tell five of your friends and they'll tell five of their friends and so on and so on forever Forever. what's up bro how you doing how was your week uh dude I'm, i'm i'm great i'm great um bowling's getting a lot better uh we're coming up at the end one of the one of the seasons so um we got to finish strong and then uh i went to this thing called uh teatro zinzani it was downtown okay. yeah so it was kind of like a off-broadway kind of thing it's a cirque uh comedy cabaret <laughs> show and it was downtown it was pretty awesome <laughs> it was weird but it was that, funny so you know it was, it was a good time that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, I think people uh, underestimate the amount of theater and live shows that we do have in Chicago, especially with COVID kind of coming uh, to a head and and, and everyone uh, being able to go back out again. So that is cool. Um, I really, you know, all I really did was uh, hang out here. Uh, my dad's coming in town a couple weeks, so Sweet. we're just kind of getting the house ready and cleaning up and stuff like that. So uh, we got weddings. I had to go shopping for, for new clothes because I don't have any uh any any current uh i had to get a suit or a suit jacket and some tie and all this other mess because i don't keep that stuff you know what i mean like i, I i'm a softball coach and a podcaster i mean i <laughs> i don't need all that stuff so that's what i've been up to and uh you know we did watch some bears and packers because it's football season you know the fall is here and i know there's some of you out there looking for a new gig so let me tell you about a great opportunity with our friends over at acsi with over 50 expert technicians in the chicagoland area acsi offers a one-stop shop for telecom wiring whether residential cable installation fiber to the home or commercial structured cable wiring acsi is both a proud partner of comcast and rcn Let me tell you guys the most impressive thing about ACSI. During these hard times, the ACSI did their thing during the COVID-19 pandemic, and ACSI was awarded Hacia's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. 
The best part is that ACSI is growing bigger and better than ever. ACSI is now hiring for field sales technicians and project managers. Check out ACSI.tech. That's ACSI.tech and click on careers to apply today. Go get you a job. Please go get a job. Uh, this week, our featured guest is Andrew Vega from Chuco Golf. We also recap the White Sox playoff run and look at the remaining teams. The Bears take on A.A. Ron and the Packers. The Chicago Sky are the WNBA champions and is always stirring the pot. And what you looking at? But first, this is the Big Three with Big Z. Thanks, E-Rock. I'm Big Z and you're not. If you say so. <laughs> now for today's stories. Oh boy, man, I got some good ones for you. There are some, uh, like uh, JR in wrestling would say, there's some barn burners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, man. Let's start off with story number one. South Carolina Elementary School teacher arrested after students after a student picks a marijuana edible from a reward box. Uh-oh. This is the type, type, type of teacher Eddie wanted. A uh, South Carolina elementary school <laughs> teacher was arrested after a student picked up a, a pack of marijuana edibles, which are illegal in the state. Hey, knock it off! There's a kid back there! Out of a reward, a reward box in the classroom. Victoria Farish Weiss, 27, faces possession of a Schedule 1 drug charge. She turned herself in to authorities on Friday the Lexington County Sheriff's Department said. <laughs> I'm in danger. The, the authorities opened an investigation into the matter on September 23rd after a report that a Rocky Creek Elementary School student picked up a cannabis-based product from the reward box. Yeah. What do you think about that, E? So, so this is what I think about that. You know, within recent years, you have these hot teachers getting caught with students, mm -hmm. um, having sex and all this good stuff. This I don't care about them teachers because uh, I wasn't ready for them teachers at the time. This is the type of kind of teacher I'm looking for. What is going on over here? How do I get into that reward box? <laughs> is that what we're calling it now? The reward box? <laughs> yes. For this purpose, absolutely. Oh man. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I that's more on your kind of uh uh, uh schedule of, of doing things. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, for me uh -huh. it's not not my uh my drug of choice. So uh if you, okay there, teacher. Yeah, no, no, stay away from that. Story <laughs> number two. A Missouri woman sues Geico for $1 million after contracting an STD during sex in a car insured by the company. You big dummy. <laughs> what? Yes. This is, isn't this like, isn't this the equivalent of getting pregnant from sitting on a toilet seat? Um, sure. We'll go with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A Missouri <laughs> woman is suing Geico for $1 million after claiming she had sex and contracted an STD from a man in a car that was covered by the insurance provider. According to the Daily Mail, the, mail, the woman who was identified as M.O., so Mo, in court papers, <laughs> yeah, claims she, uh, claims she and her then partner, identified as M.B., uh, had unprotected sex in 2014 in a Hyundai Genesis in 2017. In 2018, Mo was diagnosed with HPV and claimed she contracted during the car rendezvous. The woman now has submitted a coverage claim to Geico for $1 million because the vehicle, which is under Mr. MB's name, is insured by the company. 
However, on October 4th, Baller uh, Alert reports that Geico called the lawsuit a sham, duh, and filed their own countersuit. According to the Daily Mail, Mo entered legal talks with, in 2018 with MB without the company's knowledge. The two reportedly reached an agreement in the state court that allowed Mo to collect $5.2 million, which she can collect, if at all, from Geico. The court documents show... With her last lawsuit, the woman is now seeking an additional $1 million. So she's got two lawsuits out there. Uh, and this is all the way at the uh, federal level at this point. Hey, uh, just because you're dirty. They see me rolling, they hating, patrolling and trying to catch me riding dirty. Trying to catch me riding dirty. Don't mean that guy could better clean you up. What's going on here? Uh, this, is, this is one of the weirdest things that I've ever heard in my life. Um, yeah, I, I want to go back to talking about that teacher and the uh, edibles. This is, I don't even have no comment on this mess right here. This yeah, she's shit. going after the wrong lizard. <laughs> oh <my laughs> All right, moving on. Story number three. And this news broke as we finished our recording last week with uh, John Gruden right. and his emails. Um, they're what, what, almost 10 years old. And um, he apologized. And I we, we commented on that. And we said he's an asshole. And guess what? The uh, emails last week, uh, right after the Bears beat the, the Raiders, uh, they showed up. And John Gruden had to resign as the Raiders coach after an explosive report Monday night in the New York Times revealed that he used homophobic and misogynistic language in emails over a seven-year period ending in 2018. Only a few days after a first email leak caught Gruden using a racist language, more emails uh, surfaced showing that Gruden mocked the drafting of the first openly gay player in the NFL history, um, did not support the emergence of women in the NFL as officials, vulgarly used the female anatomy as an insult, and called for the release of players protesting the national anthem, according to the Times. Raiders uh, owner Mark Davis met with Gruden to accept the Super Bowl winning coach's resignation. Assistant coach Rich, how do you say his last name? Uh, what? Uh, well, the, the assistant coach Bisaka? Bisakia? Bisakia. Bisakia. Whatever. Yeah, close enough. Uh, will be the interim head coach. He was also bounced out of the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Ring of Honor. Yep. And, and so here's the other thing, too, is that uh, there is a report out that uh, John Gruden exchanged emails of images of women, including a photo of two un- unidentified Washington cheerleaders wearing only bikini bottoms. Um, so there was just uh, there was a lot of like dirty shit that this dude was doing. And it don't surprise me with that little Chucky face and that stink face. And uh, look, Raider, I know that Mark Davis, who is the current owner of the Raiders, you know, thought of him like a son i guess i mean i don't think they're that much different in age with al davis being gone for a couple years now but this is just i I mean there was a lot of people saying oh this everyone's a snowflake this and that look at what he's actually said and done what he's been saying for years racist misogynistic sexist like it's ridiculous and the things that he's doing and it everyone's like well those are his private emails no the fuck they are not when they are your work emails they are not private that's right that's how it works yeah so i mean look it, look uh good on 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 tampa for removing him because it's this it this this is not to that extent but it's the same thing when joe uh when um joe paterno 
was was found out that he knew about all the shit that Sandusky was doing right. and Penn State removed him, which is which is to his legacy, it's a shame, but the fact that he knew about it, he let it happen, he let it continue, that's why they remove him. And and when you look at everything that John Gruden's done, he's never gonna be involved in football ever again. Whether it's a broadcaster on ESPN, FS1, because we know those guys bounce back and forth as soon right. as they have a scandal. He is never, ever going to be involved with the NFL ever again. And what's funny enough is that ESPN was like, you know, oh, not con- you know, you're not supposed to do that, and he's an asshole, and this is that. Um, ESPN, you you hired this man. He was in the he was they, in well, the booth. They, I, yeah, yeah, he was in the booth. He was in the Monday Night Football booth for a long time. But I think this is a lot of this happened while he was actually with uh, ESPN, and he was he was um, exchanging emails with the. One of the guys from the uh, the the Washington football team at the time. So, yeah, there was a lot of shady shit going on, and um, there was an internal investigation because of all the sexual misconduct claims that was going on with Washington. So he got caught up in that mess, and he got caught uh, essentially red-handed. So uh, too bad, so sad. Bye-bye. See you later. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. True Chicago sports fans, show off your Chicago pride with some fresh clothes from Grit Clothing Company. At Grit Clothing, they create that simple yet classic style that represents that Chicago Southside lifestyle. From t-shirts to hoodies, hats to glassware, they've got you covered. Grit has everything you need to represent your Chicago pride. So do it right now. Check out gritclothingco.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15. TRUEFAN15. For 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15% off your entire order. Let me say it again. That's gritclothingco.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15 for 15% off of your entire order. Welcome back to the TCSF podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah! <laughs> this is The Loop. Our Chicago Sports Ronda, where we keep you in the loop. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome, welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Yo, E, what's going on with our beloved Bears? After last week, with all the crap that went on with the Raiders, we really didn't get to do a Packers preview, and that's probably a good thing because the Bears simply could not overcome a few mistakes, and they couldn't hold back A.A. Ron and the Packers at the end. Here's uh, Bears head coach Matt Nagy and Justin Fields after the game. Uh, for for the game, uh, you, you know, um, being able to not pull this out and lose, that, that, that hurts. Division game, just like we talk about when we win. Um, same thing when you lose, you got to understand why. And, uh, you know, I, I, you go into this game and you go into halftime 10-7 and you really, you know, you want a worst case scenario, come out of that thing 10-10 at half. 
and then you know uh, um, having it there at the end where we're able to to have a two score game, score a touchdown, make it a three point game, and then they go down and score. I think um, you know that's stuff that we all got to learn from. And uh, I, I know our players. I believe in our players that they're going to learn from that, understand the why. Um, a lot of stuff to, to obviously talk about. Um, and and uh, for, for the you know the biggest thing for all of us is to understand like we just talked about in that locker room is make sure that we, we look at ourselves um, after every loss, just like the wins, and uh, you know regroup, get healthy, and understand the why, and then get back at it, uh, get ready for next week. Um, I think I should have played better. Um, I didn't play as well as I wanted to. Um, you know, I think the drive before the second half ended, I think we should have got points right there, so that's on me. And I mean, I should have played better for my teammates. Uh, it was fun, a great game. We, we were doing you know, good things on offense. So again, I'll, I'll take the blame. I'll take the credit for, uh, you know, that, that right there. Cause I mean, unfortunately I just didn't play. Oh, I needed to play for us to get the win. So, um, again, I just gotta be better. So, yeah. I, I love the fact that the kid is taking accountability for the game, but it's not all on him. Uh, we're talking about rookies, and it was actually the Khalil show to start the first quarter with Khalil Mack sacking Rodgers to end the Packers' first drive, and the Bears took over after a pass interference penalty in the end zone. Bears lined up the one-yard line, and then rookie Khalil Herbert kicks off the scoring with his first career touchdown in his first career start with all the players that are out uh, with uh, either COVID or injury. Uh, we got to see the rookie come out there. Look, it's not what we normally see with this Bears offense. They're actually getting that P.I. because you see other teams like the Packers get that all the time. And it looked like the laser show was in full effect. The laser show was in full effect. And what you did, what did surprise me was when they went five wide outs, no running back, and they aired it out. That's something right. we have not seen from the Bears ever. But now we have an actual quarterback that can do that, that can air it out and put it on a dime to these receivers. That's why we got the pass interference call. We have an effective running game with our fourth running back. I mean, it's it's right. the laser show that's actually working. Now the issue is that an offensive line is missing assignments and they're 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 getting beat. And then Justin has no uh, no time to throw because the receivers are still in mid route, so they're not turning around. So that's why he's getting sacked, and he has to like improvise and run around run around and you can't do that all game so i mean like justin is have has to adjust to what he's seeing um there was one play later on in the game where we saw him kind of uh miss uh alan robinson but we did see a lot of uh really good production out of the defense robert quinn had a, had the second sack of the first quarter going after rogers in the second drive of the game to force a third and 14 and then when the bears got the ball back they uh herbert went for a 23 yard one run and we saw fields running down the field looking to make a block right and look i appreciate it kid but don't get yourself hurt out there uh on fourth and one bears went for it and herbert gets the first down Green Bay challenged it, and it was confirmed to get that first down. Now, we did see Justin overthrowing the ball a little bit. He throw, he threw it real deep to no one because he thought it was a classic Aaron Rodgers free play, free play deep pass, but there was no flag, and it ends up in the arms of Green Bay defender in the back of the end zone. Not good on the stat line, but it effectively gave Green Bay the same field position as a punt. Um, it should have been a penalty on the Packers. One of their defenders did come across the line, but you got to make sure that that flag comes out before making that assumption yeah yeah so yeah they they uh they thought that uh he was not that they thought the defender was not in the neutral zone so um 
that's a, situ a situation there that we practice at times when uh, you, you, you think that they are. And, and then at the same point in time, I'm going to have to go back and look at it and see how, how close it was. I thought it was super close. Uh, and, and again, that's that's one that we all learn from in that situation. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, that's uh, that's one that for all of us, we got it. It's it's so gray. It's so close that that you, the only thing you can do is learn from it. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, I was I, I saw the play and he was clearly offsides and it should have been a free play for us. And uh, I, I get what he was doing. Like you said, Aaron Rodgers does it all the time with with making people jump. Um, he did the uh, Justin Fields also did that later on in the game where he threw another deep ball into the end zone um, and it should have been an inter interception uh, and he was just trying to throw the ball away on that one I would prefer he throw it throw towards the sideline and not make that same mistake and I understand what he's doing but you're, you're a rookie you're not going to get those calls he was also hit in the face a couple times where like the, the defensive lineman's uh, fingers were in his uh, in his helmet no call but if you if you did that to Aaron Rodgers there'd be like 45 flags on the floor Right. So speaking of that, we saw an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against Mario Edwards Jr. after he took a shot at Rodgers and then he stood over them and kind of wagged his finger. He taunted him and they're really cracking down on it this weekend because, of course, you know, to go, you know, all this time we, we watched them physically protect the quarterback. But now we can't hurt their feelings either. So don't wag your finger at them. <laughs> oh, man. Huh? Going into the second, uh, Green Bay went for it on third and one. The refs did call it a first down, but this, it was Matt Nagy's turn to get a challenge and the call was brought back, but then Aaron Rodgers got the first down on fourth and one with the quarterback sneak. Uh, the drive concluded with a Rodgers throw to the back of the end zone, which was caught, but called back to it due to a ticky tack foul uh, and they settled for a field goal. Big break for the Bears and they only end up giving up three going down into the last possession of the first half for the Bears. So the thing with the, with the Bears is that you know they their defenses bend and don't break, um, and them stopping Aaron Rodgers and only allowing three points that's a win that's a huge win because Eric can throw it and Eric out and put it anywhere. So limiting the Packers to three points at that point is huge. The game is still close. Um, what you want to do is is limit the, the amount of time that he has the ball, and if you only get th yeah. they only get three points out of it, again that that's a huge win. Uh, we, you know, we saw Justin Fields scrambling a bit, and he looked like he missed an open Allen Robinson downfield, and he also threw against the back of the end zone uh, with another deep pick, um, and the Bears missing are out there missing opportunities within 30 yards of the end zone. Um, you know, they're sitting there. They they didn't even come out with a field goal because they lost 13 yards in the uh, delay, of pay, uh, delay of game penalty and a sack. It pushed him all the way out of field goal range. And Fields thought he had a timeout and ended up with a delay of game. So I don't know if it's miscommunication between Fields and the sideline. Fields not knowing exactly what it what uh, how many timeouts there are, where he is on the field. He did he did talk about it, and he basically said, "Hey, um, you know, I thought that I thought that it was a uh, uh, I thought that I still had the timeout. So he's trying to call the timeout. I don't think the ref saw him. They broke the huddle with like four seconds left or five seconds left, and he realized that his play clock was running down." He's been overthrowing, you know, either out of excitement, inexperience, or both. But he's got to calm that down. You know, this is, you know, what this reminds me of is when I'm coaching softball and I see a, a kid with a, a strong arm and they either overthrow or underthrow. You got to just throw exactly where it is. Focus on where you need to go and get that ball. Now, the problem is, is that when you got these, you know, six foot seven, you know, 350 dudes like chasing after you, I get it. But you're a big, strong kid. 
figure out how to kind of balance it out. And it's going to call me, like I said, this is a rookie. I'm seeing like silly ass people like, well, he's a bust. How is he a bust? He only played four games and he actually looks pretty good. He does look pretty good. Again, we we alluded to this when we said we wanted him to start and we knew and acknowledged there's going to be growing pains with his performances. You're going to get him going really good one week and then he's going to have a bad week and have a little bit of regression. You got to understand he is facing different defenses, different looks. So just like when we talked about uh, uh, a Mitch, he, uh, I think uh, they talked about it on the radio how Mitch would uh, get confused when defenses would give him an exotic look and he would get flustered and then he would throw the ball really quickly or he would uh, get sacked. That's not happening with, with Justin. He's adjusting to what he sees. Now, the problem is that the offensive line is not giving him as much support as needed and that's something he has no control over. So, yeah, is his is, is stuff going to go up and down? Yeah, his numbers are going to go up and down. Is it going to be perfect? No. It's his rookie season. That's what we need with. I'll, I'll definitely say that the line has been performing better. Yes. Um, through the last couple of weeks, I think one of their their strong points is definitely the run game, um, which is literally the the very it's mirrored on the other side of the ball because the defense is doing really well uh, defending the run, but they're not doing a good job of defending the pass. And we kind of knew that that might be an issue, considering the fact that they kind of let go of some of their guys that we expected them. I mean, I want to say at the beginning of the season, they signed Desmond Trufant and, um, you know, they let go of Kyle, Kyle Fuller and stuff like that. So we're we're always going to be concerned pretty much through the whole season about what happens in the secondary. But uh, their their run defense is really strong. And, and like I said, that seems to be mirrored on the offensive side of the ball where their running game has been pretty strong. But their passing game has not been as strong. Uh, the, the Bears did get the ball to start the second half and the drive stalled out by after Fields took a sack. Uh, Pack get the ball back, march right down the fields and, and, and right down the field. And Aaron Jones ends up with a short pass and a stiff arm gets into the end zone to put Green Bay up 17 to 7. Bears next possession. Herbert still looks pretty good, but Fields really cannot get it going because Green Bay looks like they made some adjustments at halftime and they found a way to shut down the rookie because that very first drive of the game. Uh, it was like 80 yards, eight plays, 80 yards. They got into the end zone. They did their thing, but they could not really consistently figure out a way to do that again or, or really make progress down the field. Um, we saw Akeem Hicks finally get back into action. He's had some groin issues. Uh, he had a, he had his own sack on Rodgers and stalled out the Packers on the last possession of the third quarter. Yeah, and it was a very important uh, stop for Akeem Hicks, but he ended up uh limping after the sack and looks like he might have re-injured that groin because i don't think he returned to the game no and and that's a big man uh, to be out there so you know that's (laughs) you know that's a lot of uh a lot of weight and a lot of girth uh coming out on on, uh, aaron Rodgers, and he has been a very important part of stopping that run so um with him out we saw what happened last year when he got injured after that raiders game and uh I'm hoping that he's healthy. You know, we do have Eddie Goldman back this season, but uh, I'm hoping that Hicks is healthy because they definitely need him going into uh, Tampa next week. Uh, the Bears got the, uh, they started the, the fourth quarter from their own 20. They moved right down the field with a, with a couple of Justin Field scrambles and a 16-yard run by Herbert. But, and, and Herbert ran into the end zone, but it was called back on a very questionable holding penalty on Mustafer. Uh, the refs in this game have been very 
indecisive and inconsistent because there was a lot of times where they had to get into a group huddle and look at this and they changed the play they're like oh it's 12 more set all this other mess it was a lot of shit that was going on with these refs in this game and it's very consistent with what we see out of refs in a packers game because uh you know how many times have we seen the the packers get away with some bullshit due to the refs all the time all the time uh you know what and it could be that they have rookie uh, uh referees out there that they're indecisive don't know when I should make a call, what call is this? And, you know, sometimes that if you have an in, uh, inexperienced group out there or uh, a group that's uh, one-sided or biased, you know, that's going to happen. Well, the, the good thing is that the Bears were able to recover off after that penalty and Fields did zip the ball into the end zone for Darnell Mooney to get within one score. Unfortunately, uh, when the Packers got the ball back, it seems like they definitely adjusted to the Bears pass rush. Classic Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams down the sideline throw, but he was ruled out of bounds at the 20 after a 40-yard gain because it looked like he was about to march right into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um Rodgers did finally find the end zone, running it in for himself to answer after the Bears got that score, that uh, that score in the fourth. And he stood on the sidelines and he was screaming, "I still own you," which pisses me off. I'm sure he was screaming at fans, and he talked about this is his favorite rivalry because he always comes in here and kicks our ass and and whatever, man. Uh, balls got Bears got the ball back uh, with four thirty left in the clock. They really couldn't do much with it, and the Packers ended up winning the game at home. Uh, 24 to 14. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Once he did that uh, State Farm double check crap and he started yelling that out the crowd, I was like, all right, time to turn this off because I'm going to be really, really pissed off if I keep watching his face. Uh, yeah, the Bears on that last drive, it stalled. They looked like the one, the offensive line was gas and and not had a, not didn't have a, enough uh, uh, strength to hold on for that last drive. And uh, Justin mm-hmm. Fields just he was running for his life so that's i'm again there's a there's a lot of rookie mistakes um which is expected and then we saw a lot of fans in the facebook group saying that fields isn't ready he's ready ladies yeah, and he's ready yeah i mean he's perfectly ready i mean let, let's not you know the problem is is that uh you know reaction is not an emotion you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's not how that works so uh or or you know immediate reaction is not the way that you need to think about this you need to think about it analytically and see hey okay is this do we really feel this is the guy because how are people already saying like i said earlier how are people already saying that this kid is a bust he's had four nfl starts and he looks pretty damn good he's mobile he's getting the ball to where it needs to go he's got a very strong arm he just had to figure out the kinks and and i mean it seems like he's got all the intangibles he's got all the natural physical talent in the world he's fast he can um he's a big strong kid so i mean we just need to let this kid give uh, give this kid some time and let's watch him develop and i think that's the most important thing when we take into consideration that we have not had a true franchise quarterback in what the history of the franchise i mean mm-hmm. if you want to go back to sid luckman maybe because i'm not counting jim mcmahon either people love jim mcmahon he wasn't that good of a quarterback i mean he was fine he was a, he he got the job done but he can we stop acting like jim mcmahon was joe montana he wasn't you nope. know so um i don't know i i, I feel i feel encouraged at what i see out of justin fields i feel like going forward he definitely has room to grow and i think that you know we look at a guy like justin herbert who made a huge leap from year one to year two and he played really well in his first season um i think that with consistency in their coaching um we can definitely see big growth out of justin fields but i also think that a lot of people a lot of fans are still not really 
on board with Nagy because you know he he's he makes mistakes too and and he gives you all that word salad where he talks for like seven minutes over the saying the same thing over and over again and I don't know I, I I'll I'm very interested in seeing what's going to happen at the end of the season if him and Ryan Pace get a pass yeah I mean they, they are going to get a pass because they're going to they won't wait for that, that rookie to, to develop they're just going to get a pass and we're going to be frustrated with the same uh, ineptitude and the word salad uh, that Nagy gives you at every post game and at every media day that it all he says is words and there's not a coherent sentence that makes any sense there. I mean, it's it's coherent enough, but it, like I said, it's just the, kind of the same. It's kind of using ten words to say what you could say in three. You know, and I'm guilty of that myself. Just but just listen to the show, you know that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> all well, right, I, I did. Yeah, go ahead. I did have a couple of I did have a couple of uh, uh, points here. Good, bad, and ugly. Good for me was rookie running back Khalil Herbert stepping in with his first NFL start and getting his first NFL touchdown. He was the four stringer coming in, and he's shown that he'll really be a valuable piece going forward. I mean, my question is, where the hell is Tariq Cohen? I mean, I think this is the first time we see him on the sideline because no one's talking about him. He he had the ACL last year. You know, we had. Um, we, we have David Montgomery with the knee injury. You know what I mean? So we're looking at, and Damon Williams uh, came out with COVID this week. So Herbert stepped in and he did a really good job considering the fact that it was his first start. And I want to say he was a really late round pick. Yeah, he, I think he's a, he was a six rounder. Um, but, you know, everybody was surprised that he was still there in a six round. So the Bears picked him up and uh, Nagy uh, was uh, on record saying he's, he's very like uh, the Chiefs running back, uh, whatever his name is. <laughs> that guy <laughs> you got ceh clyde edwards hilaire out there who's heard himself but uh, uh my bad in this game was finally seeing cole Komet. it actually pissed me off and my bad is the fact that they have not utilized his talent at all this season he's been very valuable i guess in the blocking game but they need to get him the ball in the red zone and let's score some damn touchdowns and get it going i mean this is ridiculous yeah that's actually some a conversation point that i made last night um at the bar and it i really said cole commits not on on the screen because you always see him chipping and uh um, helping the offensive line uh but cole commit can catch and he's pretty much a big old wide receiver that they should be using they should be using him uh, as a, a release valve uh for when they're not open down the field let him come across come across the middle or you know maybe use him on a wheel route maybe you know use him on as a wide out use him all the time use him as a weapon he is a greg olsen kind of talent speaking of greg olsen who was one of the announcers for the game today right um but yeah we haven't seen jimmy graham either jimmy graham actually had some nice uh touchdowns in the in the uh, red zone last year so um i'm wondering if they just forget that they have tight ends or that they're so desperate to, to kind of piece together an offensive line that they really keep these guys closer but uh the ugly for me were those fucking green uniforms we saw on the field today. <laughs> oh, Normally, boy. Green Bay wears white in Chicago, but because the Bears went with the white throwbacks, Green Bay was allowed to wear the green. And also giving Rodgers the opportunity to scream, I still own you after scoring the, the final touchdown. Man, fuck that turd, that big green turd. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you end it on that note. All right, E, let's move on to the collegiate slate. What's up with the Golden Domers, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? 
All right. Notre Dame was actually idle last weekend, but they still managed to have a very interesting scenario as a result of last week's games. With a very funny and a very clever way to troll their Big Ten opponent, the Purdue Boilermakers, who lost to the early, uh, Irish earlier this season, they took to Twitter to throw a jab at number two Iowa with a tweet that read, we just beat the number two out of Iowa. <laughs> That's right. Number two Iowa lost to Purdue 24 to 7. Now, this is actually really good news for the Irish, and I'll tell you why. The Cincinnati Bearcats were ranked number three going up against Central Florida, and they won their game 56 to 21. So with the win, Cincinnati takes the number two spot, and that's a bonus to the one-loss Irish because as the season continues, there's always the possibility that other undefeated teams go down. And with Cincy moving up in the rankings, it brings the Irish strength and schedule up which they use to determine the rankings. And because of this, the Irish move up to spot one spot into 13. I mean, getting that tweet over phone, I almost uh, number two my pants as how funny that was. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what color the turd would have been, but it would not have been a Packer turd. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would have been a great, yeah, big green turd. Son of a bitch. Uh, and look, hey, don't forget that Alabama is also a lone, one loss team. They sit at, I think, number five. Um, they lost last week to the 21st ranked Texas A&M Aggies in an upset. So the college football landscape is still completely wide open. Uh, the Irish just have to go out there and beat the unranked USC Trojans at Notre Dame Stadium. This is usually a tight game no matter where the rankings are. And while the days of the Trojans being a powerhouse are in the rear view, it's always a big game because of this traditional rivalry. Kyron Williams really needs to go out there and have a strong game. And if he does, it'll take the pressure off of either Jack Cohn or Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine, all of whom have seen time this season under center. Yeah, I mean, the Irish have had a carousel at the, at the quarterback position, and yet they still find ways to win. I mean, this is impressive. And, and this is, both, I, like I've been saying, it's, it's been a, a, a rebuilding year, and yet they're still ranked number 13. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. I wouldn't call it a carousel because the problem is, is that Jack Cohn has been out there, but he's gotten hurt mid, mid game. So, you know, I don't, it's a little bit different. That's like saying the Bears running game is a carousel. It's not. You just have to put in whoever is healthy, and they haven't been healthy, so that's the problem. But when you see Buckner and, and Drew Pine going there, then you can kind of see that switching back and forth. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I think they still have a really good chance to make one of those uh, New Year's Day bowl games. Yeah, they'll make it. What? Yeah. What's going on in uh, in Evanston there with Chicago's Big Ten team? Go Cats. Go Cats. Go okay. Cats. Uh, Ryan Hilinski threw for 267 yards and two touchdowns on Saturday to lead Northwestern to a 21-7 victory over Rutgers at Ryan Field in Evanston. Uh, Hilinski, making his third start since transferring from South Carolina, capped off a 98-yard drive with a 64-yard touchdown pass to Malik Washington with six minutes and 36 seconds left in the first quarter to put the Wildcats to uh, on a scoreboard first. The completion was Halinski's longest of the season, and he said, one of the biggest things is that we're continuing to have fun. This is a game we played when we were five years old. I personally play the best when I'm having fun and just recognizing that this is a game we've been playing our whole lives. Um, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. You're, 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 you're a student athlete right now, and if you get make it to the pros, you're, you're playing kids' games and getting paid for it, so never take it too serious. Uh, Northwestern schedule gets notably uh, tougher in the coming weeks. The Wildcats uh, will face number eight Michigan on Saturday in Ann Arbor. And two weeks later, they play 
uh, Mr. Uh, number, not number two anymore, Iowa. <laughs> they're, they're sliding down like diarrhea. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. That, that was a smelly so, joke. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh, those are those, uh, those are two losses right there. Michigan, both Michigan and Michigan State have been really good this season. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, um, uh, well, have been sitting uh, in the top ten spots this year. I, there's another team that I don't even remember because I don't care. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Big Ten has been very strong this season, but there's no way that uh, Northwestern beats either one of those teams. Sorry to tell you, but it's true. <laughs> hey, 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 what's going on with your favorite football team, the Fighting Illini? Nope. Let's keep moving. Uh, we're going to go and talk about the WNBA champions, the Chicago Sky. The Chicago Sky beat the Phoenix Mercury to win their first ever WNBA championship for the first yeah, time. Baby. Yeah, for the first time in history, the Chicago Sky are WNBA champions, erasing a 14-point second-half deficit to beat the Phoenix Mercury 80-74 to in Game 4 of the WNBA Finals. The Chicago area native Ali Quigley had a huge game, bearing five three-pointers and leading the team with 26 points. Courtney Vandersloot came up with uh, a rebound, one rebound shy of a triple-double with 10 points, 15 assists, and nine rebounds for the Sky. Uh, Cleo Copper took home the MVP of the finals following a dominant all-around performance. Candace Parker, the, the Naperville native who signed with the Sky in the offseason, had 16 points, 13 rebounds, along with five assists and four steals in the clinching effort and she spoke with ESPN's Holly Rowe after the game. Yes, you absolutely. are. Absolutely amazing. I mean, let me let me let me tell you let me tell you about this right here. Game three was absolutely dominant. I mean, they won by like thirty points. It was a thing of beauty. The 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 Mercury had absolutely no answers for for the sky, and I think that once that happened. You know, if in your heart you knew that was over, they just had to get it. And they, they had to come from behind to win this game today. It was amazing. I'm so happy for them. I'm so happy for Candace Parker. She spoke about Pat Summer, her old coach from Tennessee, who passed away a couple of years ago. Um, just just an amazing, amazing effort to see Parker and, and the rest of the Chicago people get together. I saw a chance to wrap it up. I saw Mike Logic on the sidelines a couple of games ago. I mean, just amazing all-around performance. Congratulations to the Chicago Sky for your very first WNBA Finals Championship. Very, very exciting for a Chicago team to win in October. Um, I'm glad it was a Chicago Sky. Unfortunately, it was not my White Sox, but we'll get to that in a little bit. No, the Chicago Sky came up with a 16-16 and record. They were 500. They were hurt most of the year, so getting that chemistry and all that. And then they, they go and, and win two single elimination games to get in. Yep. I mean... If you talk about that's that's literally like the uh, the men's and women's uh, NCAA tournament, it's it's one and done. Either you, you're going to win and move on, or you're not. And these ladies kicked ass every single game, even when they were down 12, 10, 14 points. They still had fight, and you know I understand. I, I seen what they did. They 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 took one out of two over there, 
And then they're like, you know what? Our house. You ain't beating us at our house. And we're going to celebrate at home. Right. And and the phrase that I'll use that my softball players called cringe the other day. Mm-hmm. Heart, hustle, muscle. Okay. You got the heart to get out there and make sure that no matter what happens, you get it done. You got the hustle because you make sure that you stay on top of it. You are the first one to the ball. You get there no matter what. And muscle. Hey, play strong. Do not sit there and be weak. Don't be like, oh, someone pushed me. Get up there. Do your thing. Heart, hustle, muscle. And that's exactly what they did. Like you said, a bunch of single elimination games to come back from that and to just keep pushing through. I mean, this was like one of them dream seasons for the for this guy. Yeah, it's just going to be awesome because it's their first one. And you, you, the, the amount of support that the city and what I mean, what I mean, the city is like, obviously, are the residents. But we're talking about players and rappers and people, people notoriety going out there and supporting the sky. This is huge for the team because they they were just recently sold. I, or I, I don't know if they were sold or they have a, the new owner they were interviewing. I'm sorry. And, um, you know, I'm, I thought they would have moved into the United Center and share the facility with the bit with the Bulls. But that's not the case. They have their own uh, arena with the Wind Trust. Correct. Right next to the McCormick Place. Uh, no, right next to. Uh, yeah, yeah right by McCormick right. Place. Right McCormick there, place so, yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's right down there. And, and look, um, it's uh, to me, like when I think about championships, I think it's important for the WNBA. When you, you talk about Chicago being synonymous with with the NBA, with Michael Jordan, who made made the NBA, if we're being honest, I mean, um, to have a hometown kid like Candace Parker, we saw this. We saw some uh, similar things out of uh, Phoenix when when they played in Phoenix because you saw like Devin Booker and Chris Paul out there on the sideline, right. you know, popping up their team and, and getting excited. So I really I really hope that you know we're seeing uh, a new era of WA, WNBA basketball where you know it's getting more hyped up because i mean it's high quality game like we talked about before and like i said i'm just i'm just thrilled to see you know like i said as a girl dad a a, a female sport a women's sport uh win a championship in chicago yeah championships in chicago are very rare and we're gonna take them as as they come so congratulations to the chicago sky on your first WNBA championship all right ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back with three up and three down after a word from our sponsor. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. We all know that 2020 was no joke. And with an ever-changing world climate, many people are looking for a new opportunity. Guys, are you looking for a career that rewards effort and makes you feel valued as a team member? Let me tell you a little about our friends at ACSI. ACSI is a certified RCN business agent. They provide the same RCN services with a personalized touch. Their sales and technician teams work hand-in-hand, ensuring your experience will be smooth and pleasant. Gone are the days of being transferred from one person to the next. At ACSI, they handle everything from start to finish. It's never been so easy to get internet service. ACSI is a growing Chicagoland company that encourages personal growth and rewards perseverance. As they expand, they're looking for passionate, responsible, and honest professionals to join their team. A career with ACSI means you'll be part of a hardworking, flexible, and dynamic team that is a leader in the installation of cable and internet services in the Chicagoland area. Best of all, ACSI was awarded HACIA's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. Are you ready to grow with a local Chicago company on the rise? 
Check out ACSI.tech and click on careers to get started. That's ACSI.tech and click on careers. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. It's time to touch bases with our baseball teams. This is three up and three down. I think I'll perplex him with my slow ball. One, two, three, strike, you're out. It's time. We've been rebuilding for a while and now finally to get to this point. When you're playing next man up because you've had that many injuries, you have a feeling it's going to be an enchanted year. Everyone is on the same page. We got this next man up mentality with all the injuries that we've had. So I say this team is fun, man. I'm excited to be a part of it. We got a long way to go. Everybody has contributed all year long, and that's why the Sox have this big lead. That's a way to provide energy early in the ball game. It's a six-run game, and yet he's giving you everything he's got. It's one of the best things that you could possibly have in the mound, and hitters feel that. Well, this team is getting mighty confident on a daily and nightly basis. The rhythm of 16 strikeouts for the Sox pitching staff. That's a grand slam. I just wanted to be, you know, here for the end of the rebuild, the winning part. Get Moncada moving, and he's going to make a terrific play. The ceasefire continues. Hamilton will make the catch. It's a 10 to 1 statement win for Chicago. My mindset starting to lock in. You're looking at what the bullpen wants to be in the postseason. It's what happened tonight. To make up for all the lost talent that's ended up on the IL, Brian Goodwin shows up and says, I'm your man. Everybody comes to the field and they're ready to battle and leave no doubt in anybody's mind. It's just a really cool feeling there to make a play for your guy. Everybody's got winning on their mind. Garcia, who needs a 10th inning? Uh, I was just hoping for an opportunity, just any chance to get in this lineup and help these guys compete for a championship. To stand out and be different and be a leader. Goodness, it hit him in the helmet. Tony La Russa is irate. Jose's going to stay in the game. Well, he's one of the toughest guys in the history of the game. Is Jose wearing Aloy's batting gloves? Tower fly! It's going to go! Luis, yes, he did! That is an eight RBI night. You know, it says a lot about our ball club and, uh, you know, we mean business. We've come to see the first place White Sox. Because they have battled for everything that they have gotten to this point. One, two, swing and a miss! Sox win the division! The Chicago White Sox are winners of the AL Central. Z. I know it's a little bittersweet, but tell us what's going on on the South Side. It wasn't supposed to be this way. We said World Series or bust. A team finally getting uh, getting back to their first back-to-back playoff appearance in team history. A team that finally won the Central Division after a 13-year drought. A team that was supposed to learn from the mistakes of last year's loss to Oakland and the whole pitching debacle. The White Sox came back and won game three of the ALDS just because I was there. I know. Last last Sunday, yeah. So uh, it, it is it's, so it's, is it frustrating? Yeah, it's fucking frustrating. It's really messing me up because I'm really pissed off at this team for underperforming. 
they, they they took they lost this series in the most embarrassing fashion on uh, last Tuesday with a final score of ten to one. Where the fuck was your fight? Let's take a look at what went wrong. Point number one: the White Sox were outclassed by the Astros. Yes, and that's saying something because they're fucking cheaters. They had their opportunity to ho- have home field advantage, but TLR decided to rest Tim Anderson and rest this guy and rest this guy, and those uh, getaway games. Yeah, we could take a loss. We don't care. We got the division by 10 fucking games. That's what happened. You took the the drive, the necessity, the fire under their asses, and you're like, ah, put it in cruise control. Hey, Tony, I know you like to drive 20 miles an hour while you're drunk, but that's not what we need to do. We need to go pedal to the fucking metal to the finish line, and that's where that fucked up. All right. Would Would it made a difference if we had home field advantage? We won't know. We won't know. Maybe not. The way that that the, that the team was pitching and hitting, maybe not. But there would have been different pitching matches, matchups. Lance Lynn probably would have started the first game at home, and it could have been a different outcome because his ERA was over five over there in Minute Maid Park, and he's lost to he lost every game against the Astros. You got the hitting, only six extra base hits, two by Sheets, one by Vaughn, two by Garcia. And one back went down that last game. Um, you can't win a series if your big boys don't hit. Where were the powerful bats? Where was Moncada? Where was Abreu? Where was Tim Anderson? I mean, where the fuck are you? I want to shout out MVP though for this one, one, one big reason. He's had a hell of a season. He's the veteran first, first baseman and the captain. And it was the most, most difficult season of his career. Those were his words. He was beaten up all season with different injuries. He had COVID in spring training. He had that ugly collision with uh, Twins uh, uh, player Dozier. He was hit by pitches over 20 times and no one got suspended. And he played 152 games with 30 home runs and 117 RBIs. E, little help here. I think that we know that the White Sox really strive when they hit the long ball, right? Mm -hmm. They play really well when they play at home. When you're not able to secure your home field advantage going into the playoffs because whether you decided to rest guys or whatever it is, that's going to hurt you. Now, they were the best team in the American League at home this season. And I don't think, like you said, they put enough emphasis on getting that home field advantage. We saw the bats come alive for the Astros. We saw Altuve and we saw Correa and we saw the whole crew go out there, do their thing. And that was a detriment to the White Sox because their pitching could not handle that that hitting staff. You look at Lance Lynn versus Lance McCullers in that first game. Hey, the wrong Lance won yep. as far as our, 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 our perspective is concerned. And Lance Lynn could not recover. Now you have to start going through your bullpen in, in game one. Okay. We saw Dylan Cease do the same thing. Their problem is that they could not get out of their own way. And I don't know whether it was nerves, whether they they did not realize it's it's a different beast going into the playoffs or what. But they did not hit. They couldn't pitch. And it was a disaster. Oh, yeah. And that's going into my second half of that first point, the pitching. How do you how do all your horses who got you to the playoffs suck in the playoffs? Twelve and one third innings out of your starters. Twelve and one third innings out of all your starters um that's not gonna get it done 12 walks 13 strikeouts 
Lynn had bad numbers against the Astros. We knew that. We knew that going into the first game. And they still pitched him in game one. The bullpen was mismanaged with pitchers being in there either too long or pulled too quick. Who's making the game plans? Who is calling, uh, uh, making the calls on the, on the matchups? Is it La Russa? Is it Ethan Katz? Is it Grandal being stubborn and saying, oh, yeah, you could throw a fastball to the best fastball hitting team? What the fuck are you thinking? Kopech was stretched at the end of the year to be a possible starter, um, but he's been mediocre since the All-Star break. He's given up as many runs as, as Kimbrough, and everyone's shitting on Kimbrough. Kimbrough's pitching in a slot that's not for him. He is a closer. All right? You can't fucking get a zebra and call it a horse. Zebra. So why is he pitching when we were told he was not available? Kopech allowed two steals by the same runner because he didn't hold the runner. No, he had that big-ass leg kick, and the kid went from first to second, next pitch, second to third. And then they poked in a little hit, and he scores. This is the problem. You're making the same fucking mistakes you did last year, and you're not adjusting. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I definitely saw the, a lot of shades of last year's playoff run when they... they um we, we saw Ricky Renneria just doing weird things with the pitching staff. The only thing more mediocre than the pitching is the way that you say mediocre because that makes that cracks me up every time with your <laughs> mediocre. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, look, I think we know where the problems lie with this team as they go into the postseason uh, and, and now the end of the season, the real postseason because playoffs and postseason is different to me, but they call it postseason, whatever. We look at the fact that they didn't hit. I don't know if it's inexperience. I don't know if it's arrogance. I don't know what it is. This was a hell of a season for a Cubs fan to watch the White Sox do a lot of things. But this was very reminiscent of those early Cubs teams before they got uh, got through and bust through for that championship. Yeah, so that, that's my next point. So was this a successful season? I mean, that, that's up for debate, right? It depends on uh, what glasses you're wearing. It's a division championship. That's a step up from last year, right? Instead of being a wild card. First one, first one in 13 years. Okay, that, that's a step up. But again, they had no urgency since Memorial Day because there was no pressure to win it because no one was chasing them. The Twins were out of it. Cleveland had a bunch of injuries, so they were out of it, and then they started making trades. It, was, it literally was like a spoiled kid who doesn't have to earn it. I'm just here because my daddy bought the, uh, my, bought the car. I don't have to worry about making the payments, you know, and that's what happened. There was no fire under them. I mean, they did have a little bit of a spark at the end of the season, but they also gave away, gave away games to Cincinnati and Detroit, and they were just like, eh, it, it's the last game of, of, of that series. We don't care. And that's what's, the, that's what's the problem. If you're not, you don't have the urgency, you're not going to make it. Look at the, uh, the San Diego uh, Padres. They literally were running rung shop through the entire season and then choke at the end. But they're playing the Dodgers who ended up winning, what, 104 games? That is a tough division. You got Atlanta with the same thing, trying to keep off the Phillies off their back. It's a tough division. So these teams are running through the playoffs and playing great now because they've been through adversity. The White Sox had no adversity because they were the rich, spoiled kid. I think the hope here with, with the results of this postseason is that you learn from your adversary. I mean, like, you know, the, the you don't you don't succeed or you don't um, 
failure breeds success okay so right. you don't learn how to succeed unless you fail a couple times and you know it could be important for a team like this but they do need to focus on getting some stronger starting pitching because don't forget one of the guys that i think they were really uh, expecting to be able to rely on was the guy that came from the astros originally in Dallas keiko and not having him there hurt them quite a bit because they ended up having to start Rodon, who we didn't know if he was healthy. He was healthy in the early early on in the season. But late, later down the stretch, I don't think he was healthy enough to really go out there and be a factor in the way that we needed him to be. And, you know, we look at, you know, like you mentioned, uh, a lot of people were talking a lot of shit about Craig Kimbrell. Well, that's not his role. You know, you got a second closer to, to be a setup man, and it's not that's just not his his bag. You know what I mean? So there is a lot to take from this season but i do absolutely agree with you that they sat there and they were complacent with the fact that they were ahead and they got a little bit too big for their britches because they didn't think that they had to fight anymore once they got into a position that they were so far ahead there was no chance they were not going to win the division yeah yeah so what's next for the white Sox? it was announced that tlr will be back for the next season that was expected that was expected i think he does one more season and then he'll retire so hopefully so wait, wait, wait. What, what do you what do you think about because i mean like you you can say it was expected but tell me what you think about larusa coming back because it wasn't it wasn't a guarantee that he was going to have a second season so no, what do you think about him coming back it, it, it wasn't a guarantee but i think what happened is that the players asked for him to come back so obviously you know players love to play for tlr they do i mean that's been said through every organization that he's been at my personal opinion i think it's too much cruise control i think there's no 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 sense of urgency with with that staff um i think ethan katz is also you know he's a new pitching coach so yes did he fix rodan and did he fix cease yeah he did but uh is the communication that ethan katz giving tony larusa happening if he's saying hey carlos rodan is uh he's gassed out he's he's meeting his innings already he's 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 gassed out we can't have him out there is he listening? I don't know. We don't know that. What what like I said, what kind of game plan is being put out there when everybody in the world knows that Lance Lynn sucks against the Astros and sucks even more in Houston. So why pitch that man? Why pitch him? So I don't know what's that what's that's what inferior makes me about TLR. Did I want him back? No, not really. I didn't want him there in the first place. Did he surprise me what he did? Yeah. He did. But you know, the, do- the sunshine uh, shines on the dog's ass once a day, right? <laughs> All right, let me finish my point here, man. Uh, Kimbrel, like you alluded to, his option will be picked up. That's going to be a certainty. But he will he will be traded. He is not going to be on the White Sox uniform next year. Um, they'll pick up his option and then they'll make a trade. What's going to end up likely happening? There's going to be two low, lower level lower level prospects in return for him and you, you can expect trade partners like the phillies the mets and the a's who need bullpen help to close out their games yeah i mean you know it'll be interesting to see where kimbrell ends up because like you said they will pick up his option and uh you know they, they have to a lot of people are already talking about how the cubs won the trade because they got madrigal and kimbrell just really did not perform in the way that that Sox fans and, and the White Sox organization expected but like I said you can't take a closer and put him in a setup role and expect him to just magically do something different when he's been in that role for so many years going back to his days with the Braves and the Red Sox so look uh I'm glad that the Cubs were able to get something for him because they weren't going to really do anything once we realized that uh 
you know, the magic was gone from that, that 2016 roster. But, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that the White Sox are going to be able to capitalize and get something for him um, and and uh, and not just waste uh, the fact that they, they traded for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's, let's the only reason we lost in the trade is because we didn't win a championship. That's the only reason. Okay. I mean, I just did, uh, like I said, I, I said from, from the beginning, I think Kimbrell should have been the closer. I think you have Hendricks, who definitely could have been a setup man. And with those two back-to-back in that order, I think you would have had a shutdown back in the end bullpen, you know, automatic. So they just... They had to use that bullpen so much in this playoff series that they really never found the rhythm. They just weren't strong down the stretch. Yeah, agreed. All right, Cesar Hernandez probably won't be back either. That's another trade that did not go the Sox in the Sox way. Um, if the Sox are in an all-in mode, like they're saying, um, they're gonna have to go after like uh, the likes of Marcus Simeon in the in the offseason or make another trade for a strong second baseman that can hit and field. I mean, you also have the holes in right field. We don't know if you're going to stick one of those rookies, uh, Vaughn or, or 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 Sheets out there. But there's options out there, like Starling Marte, who got traded uh, out west. You got Nick Castellanos, who I would love. I would love if he came back to if he came to, back to Chicago. I know the Cub fans would uh, loved him when he was with the Cubs. He can hit. He's he's played in the AL Central. He does have a player option to stay with Cincinnati. So we'll see how that plays out. You also have Michael Conforto. A former, uh, a former White Sox, Avisai Garcia. I mean, we let him go because he wasn't producing. He was always hurt. And then once he leaves, he, he plays for the Rays and he plays for the uh, Brewers and has been killing. You also have Kyle Schwarber, and which I also wanted. Uh, that that, that could have been a cheap option to have a left-handed bat that can hit 30 home runs. We needed those 30 home runs. And then you also have Adam Duvall. Schwarber becomes a, a, one of the most intriguing things because... You consider Chicago's need for a left-handed pop in the lineup. Like I said, we needed a left-handed bat. It could he could be DH. He could play first. He could play the outfield. Um, yeah, we can use that versatility. And you know, looking at what Schwarber's been able to do in the playoffs, I mean, he's definitely slimmed down some. Uh, we saw that kind of with his last couple of years with the with the Cubs, and he's actually been playing really good first base over there for the Red Sox. I mean, he's he's not exactly uh, he doesn't have the range. Uh, of a guy like Anthony Rizzo or even uh, Abreu for that for that matter, but I mean he's actually been doing a pretty good job over there at first for the Red Sox. And you know a lot of times when you go into the postseason or the playoffs, as I like to say, you know it, it's these guys that kind of do things you don't expect them to do or that uh, you just you, yeah you don't expect them to do or you just didn't see it coming. And those are the ones that kind of push you ahead. I mean. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about a guy like Kike Hernandez, who is definitely one of those guys. But uh, look, I mean, if we're being honest, this team really just wasn't ready this season. I think most fans equated this to the 2015 Cubs one year away from being ready. And they ran into a buzzsaw with the Astros, who have now gone to five straight ALCS. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a damn look cheating scandal or not. This is a very impressive run. with that, let's take a little look at the rest of the uh, the playoff picture. Now, I know that you're not thrilled with the end of the White Sox season. Neither am I. But I'm still a baseball fan, so I'll, I'm all in for these playoffs. And it's been packed with a bunch of really cool storylines, including some questionable calls by the umps. Um, 
let's take a look at the ALCS. It brings up Alex Cora, who was at the heart of the Astros cheating scandal in 2017, and his Red Sox, who are now facing the Astros. In game one, we saw a dogfight, which ended with an incredibly emotional home run for Carlos Correa late in the game, which ended up being the game winning home run. He sat there, he hit his, his, his wrist, and he was like, it's my time, pounding his chest and all that stuff. And, and I have been very open uh, about the fact that I want to see Carlos Correa on the north side of Chicago. Um, we have to have someone to replace Javi Baez because the guys that they've been putting up there have really not been serviceable, um, or at least, you know, we've relied so much on that middle infield being good going back to the days uh, when you look at Addison Russell and Baez we thought that would be our tandem uh, up the middle for you know 10 years and then Russell turns out to be a piece of shit and then Javi gets back in his own head and, and he didn't get his iPad to watch his his shitty swings last year so they took that away after what happened with the, with the uh, uh, Astros so he never really came back to to the way that he seemed that like he was going finding a way to lay off some pitches and not just swinging for the fence every time you know, the used air conditioner. Um, but look, when you look at Correa, he is really coming into his own right now. He's 27 years old. He has a ton of playoff experience. I don't think that there's a way that the Astros are going to give him up, that they're not going to find a way to sign him. Because you look at just the way that we thought that Baez and, and Russell were going to be the guys for our middle infield. You look at Correa and Altuve, and like I said, you can say whatever you want about their scandal, but you look at big man Correa, you look at little man Altuve, and they're both that they're smacking the ball around. Um, but here's the thing. Game two, game two, saw the Red Sox come back with a vengeance. With two grand slams by the second inning to go up 8-0 in the third, the Red Sox became the first team in MLB history to hit two grand slams in a postseason game, according to ESPN's stats and information research. Um, let's take a look over at the NLCS. It was a terrible call to end the NLDS between the Giants and your Dodgers in Game 5. The two teams were tied in the season and going into the final game of the series, found themselves sitting at 109 wins apiece when you include the postseason wins. The Dodgers brought in starter Max Scherzer out of the bullpen in the ninth inning. They were up 2-1 in the bottom of the ninth, with the Giants looking for the walk-off to move up until the NLCS. Scherzer, who came over from the Nationals at the trade deadline, faced a familiar opponent from his AL East days, Wilmer Flores, formerly of the Mets. He came up to bat with two outs and a man on first. Scherzer has dominated Wilmer Flores throughout the years. He is 0 for 17 Flores against Max Scherzer lifetime. And now a strike away. Giants have been defying odds all season long. Both teams, 109 wins. One is going home. No balls, two strikes. And Flores, did he go? He did! And the game ends! That's got to be one of the worst ways to lose. Morales rings him up. The game is over. And the Los Angeles Dodgers are headed to the National League Championship Series. That's got to be one of the worst ways to lose a game. Um, I mean, I'm happy for my Dodgers think They got passed. The uh, the Giants, who were a team that dominated the entire season, just like the Tampa Bay Rays, 
uh, did as well on the AL side, and they're both out now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of leaning towards um, wanting to see the Giants do something, you know, really uh, spectacular this postseason. We've watched them over the past 10 years or so really kind of do their thing, win a couple of championships. And now we're looking at Chris Bryant on that team who actually has been playing really well for them. And uh, this this was just bad. I mean, like it, 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 there's never any time where a game should end on a check swing especially a check swing that did not go over like what the hell was that about i don't understand it and when and they showed that replay several times and he was not close so i mean that was embarrassing for the league and it almost seems like they were you know hey you got your champs from last season now you push them up to the next series it's it's just and it left a bad taste in my mouth yeah what, what's sad about this is the mlb needs to fix this in the next collab uh uh cba uh there is nothing in the rule book that defines what a check swing is and isn't. And that's the problem. Okay. Obviously we go by tradition and what we've learned over years over years the, that the head of the bat has to go past the plate for it to be considered a strike. The problem is that that's not reviewable and it should be. If there's a questionable call in the ninth that will decide the game, the outcome of the game, it has to be reviewable. And guess what? You should uh, coaches should be able to throw their little red flag and say, "Hey, I want that reviewed." You are absolutely correct on that. Hundred uh, percent, I, I agree because you know this completely changed the outcome of the game, the outcome of the series, the outcome of the World Series. I mean, you know, this might change the way that players sign with the team and all this. There's a lot of implications that happen when you miss a call like that. It should never ever end on some bullshit like that. Um, the Dodgers now go on to face the Braves in the NLCS and with a familiar face on in the other dugout. Former longtime Dodger Jack Peterson, who was traded from the Cubs, he is now on that Braves team and they took the first game of the series two to three. They're going to play game two tonight. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that uh, when we talk about it next week. Now, earlier I, I mentioned Kike uh, Hernandez, your old buddy from the Dodgers. He's been on fire in the first two games of the series. Um, he had two home runs in game one uh, for the uh, um, for the Red Sox. And uh, he had a third one in game two when the when Devers and uh, Martinez had those grand slams. Uh, Kike uh, tacked one on at the end for that 9-5 victory. So, look, he is super focused right now. And like I said before, I love it when you see everyday players who aren't necessarily superstars in the league when they catch fire in the playoffs. I love that, you know, I would love to see the Red Sox and the Dodgers in the World Series. There's a lot of great storylines there. Not only two storied franchises, but Kike Hernandez playing against uh, LA in the World Series a year after winning with them. Mookie Betts going back up against the Red Sox and after being traded for them uh, last year along with David Price. Now, Z, I think we already know your preference for the NL participant in the World Series, but on the AL side, again, the storylines are fantastic, okay? If you uh, with the Dodgers, we have the Mookie Betts angle, like I said. But with the Astros, you have the rematch of that World Series that the Astros won during that cheating scandal. But they then again going back to the Red Sox, you have Alex Cora going up against the Dodgers, and Cora has been noted to be the mastermind of that entire scheme. So, g- give me a little breakdown. I like I said, I know you think the Dodgers or you want the Dodgers to 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 get there again, 
But what about on the AL side? What would be your preferred matchup and why? Uh, uh, my preferred matchup would be Boston. Um, I've always been a fan of, of the Boston Red Sox. I've been to Fenway and, and watched Boston versus the Yankees. And I've seen the amount of passion that is in that city and that fan base. It is eerie how close it is to the to the Cubs. Or it is life. When the Red Sox are playing, nothing else is going on. They're that first team. It's not the Celtics. It's not. It's not the Bruins. It, it's. It's the Red Sox. Red Sox run that city. Very similar to here, where the Cubs are the majority. Uh, have majority of the fan base in the city, and they travel very well, just like Cub fans. And it's just the amount of history that that team has. Is and again, it, everything lines up with the Cubs. Where they're just two parallel uh, teams. And everything is so eerily sane. So, I would go for Boston. Um, I like Kike Hernandez. He they thought he was not going to pan out, and he they, they moved him over to Boston, and he's been kicking ass. I think uh, Cora was he took his punishment. He took it that one year punishment, and he took it like like a, a, a true gentleman and said, uh, "Yeah, I didn't do nothing wrong, but I'll take that one year, and uh, I'll, I'll get paid, and I'll be back next year because uh, I feel I cheated and I." Uh, I'll be back. So Alex Cora is actually—I <laughs> met him. He's—he's he's a decent person. When I met him, I don't know now with the whole cheating scandal, but he was not—he and his team were not slated to be in the playoffs at all. They didn't believe no, in that I rotation mean, at all. No, because you know they—they they battled back and forth with the uh, with the Yankees in that in that one game playoff, and then they came back and they beat the Rays. So, I mean, they took out all their AL East opponents, and here they are back in the ALCS and. Like I said, there's a lot. This is, this to me is almost better. It's just like uh, in football when you get the championship games. The, the championship series are sometimes are almost better than the uh, the World Series because number one, it makes you realize that baseball is almost all the way over, and number two, you look at these storylines right here. Like I said, Cora going against the Astros. I mean, this is for any baseball fan. You know, this is this is delicious <laughs> baseball. But one thing I will. We'll say the Red Sox and their dominance as far as being like the number one team in the city. Don't forget, you're also talking about the home of the New England Patriots. So, you know, we when we talk about the the comparisons and the similarities between Boston sports and Chicago sports, when you talk about the fan bases, I think football probably runs everything with baseball. You do have a split because here we have the two teams. But uh, the biggest difference is the fact that Boston wins championships and Chicago doesn't. And that's the thing that hurts. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited either way, whoever we see coming out of the AL for the uh, World Series. It'll definitely be inter yeah. interesting. Definitely be interesting, yeah. Once we uh, finish recording here, I'm going to turn on the TV, put it back on the uh, on some baseball. Uh, I know you'll be watching the uh, Pittsburgh game that's on right now. That's why I got two TVs, brother. Well, I'm using my TV as my monitor right now, so that's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be right back with our new friend, Andrew Vega from Chuco Golf. Oh, well, there's strikes two and three right there. Thanks, Cubs! I think I'll perplex him with my slow ball. One, two, three strikes, you're out! Welcome back to the TCSF Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah! Today's guest is the founder and owner of Chuco Golf. Chuco Golf is a boutique golf apparel with a Latin feel 
Andrew Vega joins us today. Let's take a listen. What's up, Andrew? Thank you for joining us. Uh, Andrew is the owner of Chuco Golf, a golf apparel that is hot. You've got to see this apparel. You've got to wear it. It is probably one of the favorite things that I found on Instagram. I contacted Andrew and I was like, hey, man, I've seen your apparel. One of my buddies wears it while he's golfing. I asked him, where did he get that? And that's how we got in touch with you. Thank you for coming on the show, Andrew. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Love to be here. All right, man, let me let me ask you a couple of questions because I am not a golf guy at all. Uh, I think uh, I couldn't swing a club. I probably look like uh, Charles Barkley out there. How did you develop? How did you develop your love for golf? Man, I tell you, I mean, I was pretty old by the time I by the time one of my buddies just dragged me onto the course and uh, he's like, you got to try it. And I'm like, nah, man, I was like, that's not for me. I grew up playing baseball. I was like, so my swing is is not a golfer swing. And so right. uh, he's like, well, just come out. He's like, come on, let's, we'll go have some beers on the course. And I was like, all right. I was like, I'm in for that. Right. <laughs> so he, he took me out there. He's like, yo, he's like, you can borrow my my wife's clubs. And I was like, oh, Whoa. shit. So, so we just got out there, just teed it up. And uh, he gave me like two pointers. Like, just keep your head down and just swing away. And so uh that's that's kind of how it all got started and then uh you know just kind of practicing and you know i just i just fell in love with it right right away and so uh so when i got back home i went to uh i went to the store and just grabbed a bunch of stuff and i said uh, i said all right i'm gonna do this so my wife is like what and i was like yeah i'm a golfer now so you know just uh, grabbed a bunch of gear and just started practicing and uh you know, my the biggest thing with like Chuko was like I, you know, I loved going out there. I started, you know, hitting more balls and just kind of visiting all the courses and just being outside and just doing something and just hanging out with my friends and and all of that. Uh, and then I just realized I just wanted like I didn't want to wear everyone else's gear. Like I, you know, it was like Nike and stuff and you know all all the other stuff. And so, uh, so I went on Amazon and I bought some polos, just kind of trying to see what the right material was. And, and then I created the logo and, you know, my, so my father was a really good, really good golfer. He's, he's kind of gone down a little bit cause he's getting older. Mm -hmm. I was like, but, but then my, my great uncle was a pro for the air force. Oh wow. And so, yeah, back in the day. Right. And so, um, I don't know. I just, you know, maybe it's in me a little bit. I wish I had started when I was earlier and maybe I'd be on the tour right now, but Hey, you know, if I make apparel for all you guys out there, I'm cool with that too. Yeah. So nice. that, that's, that's a really cool story. Um, so now that you started golfing and you're, you're your infancy of golfing and, and you're taking these swings, you're like, okay, I'm using women's clubs. I'm going to transition and buy my clubs. Like I'm hooked. <laughs> what did you watch uh you know more golf because of it did you start watching you know the pga tour and certain players and if yeah. you did what players were you watching for what reason man i mean the goat right i mm -hmm. mean tiger yeah. woods right there i mean you, you know you start there if you're gonna start looking at any one swing you got you got tiger woods you know just the just how smooth he is with just swinging the club and i know you know, you're starting there. It's like kind of like looking at, you know, Michael Jordan or Kobe or any of those guys. Right. Right. And you just try and emulate some of their their stuff, like, you know, with Woods, with his with his swing. And I mean, there's just some basic kind of fundamentals. And then honestly, I just kind of started reading a little bit more, started watching a bunch of YouTube videos 
my wife bought me a, a, a lesson here and there. And, cool. you know, they just, you're just kind of always tweaking your shit. And so, you know, it was, uh, it was just kind of one of those things. And so, you know, and then just practice and repetitive practice. I mean, it's real easy, right? You go out to the driving range and if you shank a ball, you know, you probably swung wrong. So you, right. you change things, <laughs> change up your grip, change up this here, that. And so, you know, it's the same thing. You know, I just recently just read uh, Tiger Woods' book. He, he came out with the book not too long ago, a couple years ago. And, or even like Ben Hogan too. Old school dude, 1937, wrote a book on the five fundamentals of golf. Okay. And that, that guy, it was more descriptive and helpful than like Tiger Woods stuff because he like just kind of talks about holding the club right and, where your back should be and like all that stuff, right? So, you know, you just get out and he, and little things like moving your thumb a little bit and just all those little things, you, just, you go out to the course. And it's funny because I've got, I've got my six year old with my laser, right? He's like, you know, <laughs> trying to find my balls when yeah. I hit. And I've got like a six pack, which, which no one else drinks on the range for whatever reason. I've got like a six pack there and I'm just sitting there hitting balls, just trying to refine my swing and that's it. And I mean, that's, you know, then you get out and go hang out with your boys and they're like, oh damn, what have you been doing? And I'm like, <laughs> So what's your handicap now? I'm like a 10 handicap. I'm still not that great. But you know, it's it's just a whole word. It takes years. But it does. I love it. I, I'm I'm man. I'm just I love it. What part of the game I are mean, you really good at? I'm sorry, Eddie. What part of the game are you really good at? Like, is it the long, uh, the drive, or the, the the you know the short game, or is it the, uh, the you know pitching and all that stuff? No, my short game really sucks. My my driving, my drive. I'm 300 yards Whoa. consistently. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of a small guy. I'm only like five five eight, uh, and so yeah, it's just kind of funny going out with people that that I've never played with before, and they're, you know, thinking I'm like a two hundred yarder or something. But yeah, I can, I swing for the fences, is what it is, and just you know don't hold back. So uh, I've just kind of refined that. So I'm yeah three. That's probably my my strength, and then you know, and then normally at that point, then it's just a little like seven iron into the green and put away. All right, man. So, you know, the extent of my golf knowledge is uh, Caddyshack and uh, playing a couple rounds of Top Golf, man. So I think it's really cool to talk to someone who started playing later on because I've thought about playing, but I got, you know, I got a bad hip and a bad knee and a bad a lot of things. So uh, man, I'm thinking about uh, maybe, you know, getting my, my, uh, my drinking and driving license and getting out there and driving around golf carts while I'm down a six pack. That might be the uh, introduction that I need. But Tell us about like starting your old golf clothing line and, and you know, um, how far has your reach been and, and how long have you been doing this? Yeah. So, you know, again, I just kind of fell in love with the game and, you know, it was probably, you know, maybe about a year later, I had this closet full of nothing but like pastel and striped polos. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you go anywhere, you got a bunch of, you know, pastel and striped polos and that was about it and you've got either a swish on there or an under armor logo or something like that and i just wanted i wanted you know you start seeing like you know maybe it's like tiger woods or even like george lopez like they've got their own logo on some of their shit so that's what that, i was like you know what i was like i i want to i play a lot of golf my buddies play a lot of golf and and i'm just you know i'm going to create a bunch of shirts for it. it's kind of like a a little bit of like a team thing 
And so, uh, so I went on Amazon. I, you know, bought a bunch of polos just to kind of blank polos, right? Just to just kind of fill out some material. I found found some pretty cool material. So it's something that fit me. So I bought them, and then um, and then I started sketching a logo. And the logo, man, I'll tell you, the logo is what resonates with everyone. It's it's a sugar skull, and that sugar skull is what represents like our past, right? It's the people that came before us. It's all of it's all of those things that kind of make you who you are today, and 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 all of that, right? So that's that's what a sugar skull represents. And it's not just like Chicanos. It's like my wife is from Poland, and so the sugar skull out there is representative of like. Your, her her the people that have passed like they're really into like right. dead and like all of that stuff and so and then you know and then i added some stuff in there like my birthdays in there which a lot of people don't know <laughs> the golf ball eyes the the inverted nose is a heart for so so it's like our love of the game of golf and that's kind of where the where i kind of put it all together into the sugar skull and then you know you know typical skull and crossbones you know you got the bones and so uh, i just turned those into clubs so it was you know it's one of those things and then um you know the turning point for me was you know i had all my buddies wearing it and everything else and they were just like oh man that's cool and then this i played i played in this tournament in el paso texas and this attorney i, I didn't know this dude he came up to me i was playing with him all day he told he asked about it he's like oh that's cool I was all sweaty and shit afterwards. I was walking to my truck and he's like, I'll buy that polo from you. And I'm like, man, I'd say, you know, it's all sweaty and stinky. So I was like, no, nah. he's like, and that was it. And at that point I, I, you know, I told my wife, I was like, Hey, can I have $5,000 and started to go golf, man. So now we're in 87 golf courses throughout North America. Wow. We got picked up by the PGA tour superstore and we're in uh, 16 of their stores right now all across I mean we're in Illinois we're in Scottsdale all over Texas we're all over the place and so we've got we have about 50 something about 53 more stores to go wow uh, but like their sales are they're ordering every three months to kind of restock from us so man I you know and that's a huge experience on its own so you know it's just a matter of uh, keeping up with inventory all these new designs and all of that stuff. It's the stuff that I want to wear. The stuff that I want to see, like on girls playing golf. My kids all decked out in chuco. So, I've, you know, I just keep coming up with new lines and and some fresh gear. I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of that's the direction that we're going. I mean, I can definitely appreciate that. And I think the smart thing that you did was uh, ask your wife first. Yes. Uh, make sure it's okay to spend that kind of money. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, like. You know, tell us, uh, you know, what's one thing that you wish you had known when you started your company? Oh, damn, dude. Uh, <laughs> everything, right? It's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I had to learn about material. I had to learn about what's the difference between cotton, polyester, kind of all of those things. And it's just stuff that people just typically don't know, you know, when you're feeling a shirt, like what it is and how it fits on you, if it's breathable, if it's you know, if it's antimicrobial, kind of all of those things I had to learn and, uh, you know, and then getting in with some of the, the major retail chains, it was the demand, you know, their buying cycles, kind of all of those things. So, uh, you know, the turning point, since you mentioned my wife and I did too, but the turning point was uh, in the very beginning, we did this golf expo in Denver 
all these golfers come you, know, you put on like a booth and stuff like that and she was she was cool with it before but as soon as we went to that golf show we had a line going around our, just to get into our booth because it was a little 10 by 10 booth and she was like holy crap she's like all right she's like i think you got something here so like that was you know that was the first couple of months that we did that so i don't know it's always a, i'm still learning more i'm still learning more about logo placements all of that stuff yeah. so, so, always learning yeah, I mean, I, I I do the graphic design for for the show and all that stuff, so I definitely appreciate that. And it's a lot of uh, trial and error stuff that you got to figure out, you know, what's going to look best and how you have to scale things and all that stuff. So I, I definitely get that. Let me, let me ask you real quick, you know, what advice, talking about when you first started, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to what you're doing? Uh... I would just, you know, I think here's, here's the biggest thing is love what you do, right? If that's what you want to do, you're going to, you're going to put all your heart into it and make sure that, you know, you're committed to it. It's long hours. It's all of those things. But if you love designing clothes and, and you love like walking around in the mall and all of a sudden some dude's wearing your hat, mm -hmm. like that is just like the, the, the coolest thing. And if you just, if you love what you do, I don't care what it is, right? If you're apparel, whatever it is, just love what you do. I love golf. I, you know, I love the fact that, you know, this, that we've started something that's more than just, ah, I'm just buying apparel, right? It's like a representation. I love that feeling. All of those things, just meeting a lot of ton, a ton of new people, uh, you know, kind of going throughout this whole journey. And, and one of the biggest thing is don't forget to give back, right? It's, yes. you know, man that that's that's really key for us and yeah. we do as much sponsorships we don't do sponsorships for just just a tournament just to do it right we don't we don't do it just to get our name out there it's it because that comes with it but if you i mean we do we do sponsorships anything from uh the big thing that we're doing right now is uh kids that that need either golf equipment or soccer equipment or clothing or stuff like that they they, they teach a lot of times they just can't afford to get into those sports. So we do a lot of sponsorships when it comes to that. Uh, we've stayed away from some of the larger, um, the larger companies that put those on just because, you know, if we do something, I want to see the immediate results. I want to see that right. we just got 20 new kids to start playing golf because mm -hmm. they, you know, they kind of grew up on the wrong side or something, right? Like that's just, I love that feeling of that, that we're giving back. And, you know, that's that's kind of the biggest thing is is just don't forget about the people that have supported you and and just make sure you're always giving. But I'm telling you, we've done everything from like from those those type of things to, uh, you know, pets and <laughs> neutering and <laughs> like stuff like that. You know, it's just it's across the board. And so, you know, we do a lot of veteran stuff, um, you know, a lot of those things. So, you know. It's you know it's 250 bucks here, 250 bucks there, but it but you can tell it's making a difference, and that's that's even better, right? You know, I definitely relate with what you're saying. You know, with you know the the design aspect, putting our logo out there, just looking at like a hoodie or something like that that we you know sold, and we're like, I'm like, man, that that's something that I did. So that that definitely is cool. And then you know, along with the uh, the aspect of giving back, I mean, 
We're definitely with you on that as well because we've worked with the Chicago Police Department Knights baseball team. We just did a back-to-school fundraiser, giving away school supplies a couple weeks ago, charity softball games and all that stuff. So, you know, we are completely on the same page with that kind of thing because, you know, you got to recognize where you came from and make sure that you show younger people that, you know, these opportunities are uh, are possible for you too, not just, you know, some. you see someone on TV, you're like, how did they get there? Well, hey, you got to work hard and here's a representation of yourself that you can become one day right yeah yeah we you know we were talking about that uh, a little bit earlier before we kind of went live was was i you know there's we have a lot of there's some like you know famous people or whatever sports that that have uh reached out to us to do some sponsorships with them but i get more of a kick out of of sponsoring or going to the golf course and some dudes wearing my shirt right like i love that rather than i'd rather sponsor that guy like if he's got a tournament coming up, throw him a shirt and he's wearing it as opposed to some celebrity endorsement that you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like just the realness of it is really kind of where is where Chuko Golf is at. And so I don't know if we'll ever do that. Uh, we've got one of the the catcher from the Texas Rangers. Man, that guy loves our stuff. I you know, he just he posts stuff about us all the time, which is just super cool. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do that, but he really likes it. His right. wife from El Paso. So, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to have some of that stuff. You might not want to have the bigger name sometimes, but this is, this is what I'll tell you is that what that does is that also gives a bigger representation and, and, whatever you the more you, you gain in notoriety is the more you can give back as well. So, you know what I mean? True. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So Andrew, who are the three people that have influenced you the most in your in, in your endeavor right now? Man, I got to give it up to my uh, to my parents, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, a big influence is from from either and not just Chuko, man. I've got a, a really good supportive family. Uh, whatever I've done, you know, job wise, my mom, my father, they've always been just super supportive of all of that. Uh, so I love that. I mean, just just having that as, you know, just as my support is, is huge. Uh, and I love my wife, too, man. That that lady, you know, stays up late with the kids and and she knows that I'm, you know, constantly uh, in the warehouse, shipping out orders, new designs. She's got my back when it comes to all of that. So huge shout out to my uh, to my wife. Right. She is. Uh, uh, I couldn't do this without her. Um, and then really, you know, God, uh, you know, I, I, I got to throw that guy in there, man, because I've been so blessed, uh, you know, to have some success with this um, and, and all of that. So, uh, you know, those are that, that those are my core. Right. Is 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 God family. And uh, and so without any of that I, I wouldn't be here right now and just who knows what i'd be doing maybe i'd still be hacking at balls on the golf course or something <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> so what's what's your what's your like routine when you go to the golf course you know we're, we're you're on the golf course obviously you're there to, to, to either practice or, or to have fun in a tournament or whatever but w- what is your routine because you know we're amateur golfers on compared to you you know we're, we're in infancy where i go maybe once or twice a year um eddie's got you know hips that lie um they <laughs> you know he's he's he wants to get out there but his hips are saying no 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 um uh, so what is your routine like that? What, what kind of um, 
like you you alluded earlier to keeping your head down and stuff like that. But what are some good pointers to have that you've uh, part, put into your routine? Oh, first routine is you got to have a beer, right? I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing. So you got to get all nice and loose. Loosen up a little bit. Don't there you be, go. Be so, you know, don't be a robot. You know, just feel what your swing is going to be. And it always helps to have a beer right next to you to kind of help loosen up a little bit. And don't drink and drive. But have a beer. So, you know, so, so I get there, just kind of swing a little bit. And then the hardest thing in golf, and I, I think everyone will agree with me, is to keep your head down yeah. like, that, like throughout the whole time like don't worry about where the ball is going it's going to go wherever it's going to go just keep your head down that's the biggest thing and then and and then you know own your swing everyone has even you know barkley has his own just that 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 crazy ass swing that he's got but he owns it and so you know gotta own that so you know you just kind of get a feel of of the impact of the ball and you know it's, it's you know the, the things they say, right, is keep your head down, get a nice, get a nice little grip, you know, to where you're, you're holding on to it, but you're not strangling the club. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get a good feel of where you're going to put the ball, you know, typically it's right in the middle, you know, you kind of start off with like a little seven iron and just kind of work your way up to a driver. Oh. So you just sit there and kind of, you know, you kind of, you know, sit there and just hit a bunch of balls. And then, you know, if it's going a little to the left, you know, you're probably, you know, tilting your club a little too much or or you're swinging kind of off plane, but you know, other than that, man, I, I'd say just, uh, just keep your head down. Start with that. Start with that. And I promise everything else to just fall into place. There you go. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Eddie, you got audio or no? <laughs> His zoom is freaking out. All right. So, um, it's the, so what you're talking about is really similar to a lot of stuff in baseball. Uh, where you have to keep your eye on the ball, and then as you're you're striking the ball, you want to keep your eyes on where you're making the contact, and then follow the ball uh, through throughout mm -hmm. the, the the whole swing. So it's very similar to that. Um, so your baseball swing kind of uh, gave you a baseline of your golf swing. If you want to talk about it like that, it did because you know, like in baseball, you know, you're you're holding it up and you're you're swinging your hips into it, right? Right. You're, your hips kind of move into it. So you, it, I'm trying to think who's got a, uh, so uh, Dustin Johnson, okay. right? If you look at that dude's swing, he cocks back like a, like a, it looks like a, a, a Cork, spring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like he, like he, you know, and it, it goes, it goes hands, arms, shoulders, waist, right? And then all the way back. And then you, you do it in reverse. And it looks like he's just swirling back and then just boom and then hits the ball. I don't know how he does that. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that guy. I don't know if he's just, you know, double jointed or whatever. <laughs> but it looks crazy if you look at it. It, it. Because so, you know, hands, yeah, hands, arms, shoulders, hips. And then you come back the other way, right? You go hips, shoulders, arms, hands. And so it's just that that unraveling of your body and, uh, you know, kind of de depending on how you do that, you're just activating all kinds of muscles. Like this book I was just reading, you know, you're using like the inner thigh muscles when you're when you're swinging your hips around. So it's just like it's just like baseball, you know, where you're you know, you, you thrust your body, your hips into it which allows you to kind of come back around and, and kind of make contact. But again, like kind of like what you said, focus on the ball. I'm teaching my kid that right now. 
keep your eye on the ball right that's that's the biggest thing yeah yeah all right so andrew tell us tell our listeners where they can find you where they can find your apparel and uh any products that you have uh, going on right now yeah so you know so we're we're uh we just launched all of our fall line so that's uh so that's kind of hot and heavy right now is our fall line which includes uh you know some some fall colors uh i've got some you know uh, some dark navies and dark greens and uh got a lot of jackets we've got all of our fleeces that feel really good right now you can pick up all of that stuff at chucogolf.com um c-h-u-c-o golf.com um in you guys' area we're at the pga tour superstore uh which is a, a humongous store it's one of their flagship stores we're really excited about that Nice. If you're yeah, if you're anywhere else, you can also just go to pgatoursuperstore.com. Mm-hmm. You can pick up all of our gear there. Um, or if you're uh, you know if you're on the southern part of the United States, basically most of the golf courses or all the PGA Tour superstores uh, kind of carry our gear there as well. All right, man, Andrew Vega from Chuco Golf. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. We appreciate it. And we look forward to uh, checking out your gear. Yeah, man, I I love love being here. I love what you guys are doing as well. Let's team up and do something, right? Definitely. Oh, man, that was fun. What a great conversation with Andrew. I can't wait to get some gear, and maybe I'll try my hand or my my hip at golf. As long as there's beer, I will be there. All right, man. I'll I'll, I'll line it up for the uh, for the spring because you know us with the bad hips, we can't be out here in this uh, uh in this cold and and rainy weather. That's not our weather. We got to stay in for that. <laughs> all right y'all we'll be right back with stirring a pot after a word from our sponsor we all know that 2020 was no joke and with an ever-changing world climate many people are looking for a new opportunity guys are you looking for a career that rewards effort and makes you feel valued as a team member let me tell you a little about our friends at acsi acsi is a certified rcn business agent they provide the same rcn services with a personalized touch Their sales and technician teams work hand-in-hand, ensuring your experience will be smooth and pleasant. Gone are the days of being transferred from one person to the next. At ACSI, they handle everything from start to finish. It's never been so easy to get internet service. ACSI is a growing Chicagoland company that encourages personal growth and rewards perseverance. As they expand, they're looking for passionate, responsible, and honest professionals to join their team. A career with ACSI means you'll be part of a hardworking, flexible, and dynamic team that is a leader in the installation of cable and internet services in the Chicagoland area. Best of all, ACSI was awarded HACIA's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. Are you ready to grow with a local Chicago company on the rise? Check out acsi.tech and click on careers to get started. That's acsi.tech and click on careers. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Oh, yeah. Kool-Aid man's back. It's that time again. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. You know what time it is. It's time for stirring the pot. All right, man. So um, I'm, I, I like to eat a little bit di- different stuff when I go out to eat. And one of the things I, I, I find myself eating more and more is Thai food. So my question to you, Thai food, yay or nay? Um, you're talking about whole ass country. How are you going to be like, uh, that's like saying you like Mexican food. There's like 
I mean, granted, Mexican food is just basically different shapes of the same food, but uh, you got you got to give me some more than that. I, I I tell you what, like from what I've had at Thai food, it was basically like pan noodles and stuff like that. So I'm a fan. Um, it's it's a little sweet. They use a lot of uh, like peanut sauce and 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 stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'm with it. Oh wow! Yes. You are absolutely correct on that. So, yes, I'm with it, too. I have Thai food at least once a month. Um, yeah, I usually have the pad thai with either chicken or, or beef, and then I have this uh, this appetizer called Tiger Cry. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's actual steak that's uh, grilled, and it's super juicy, and it's got a little sauce. You dip it in, and it's, it's phenomenal. But, yeah, it, yeah the, the pad thai is a little sweet. Is it? Wait, did you say Tiger what? Is it, it made that, from That's the name tiger? of the dish, Tiger Cry. Oh man, does a tiger cry when you eat it? Like I cut it. Why is what the hell kind of? That's a weird name. All right, basket. Wait, I'm, I might have to, I might have to back up off my Thai food thoughts. If I'm eating real tiger, I mean, do I get like a nice like tiger striped coat to go with it, or what's going on? She's a tiger, man. She's a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> All oh. right, man. Before before we go, what you looking at? What are you watching that isn't sports? So so yeah, I did my homework. I did my homework. I finished clickbait. Um, I, Finally, yes, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm almost done with Squid Game. I think I got about 20 minutes left, 20, 30 minutes left. Um, and I caught up on the new The Wonder Years, and I really, really enjoy that. Okay, I haven't watched Wonder Years. I'll get to that eventually. Uh, let's talk about clickbait a little bit. What did you think? Um, it was good. It was really good because there was multiple stories that led you to think that there was this killer was was the one in charge of everything. Then they gave you a little bit of hints over here you're like oh let me look over this this way oh no it's not that not, not that either and then you find out that it was i, I don't know should we say it should we say it we- yeah fuck. i mean look it's been out long enough and and uh, all of our 50 to 100 listeners will if, if you ain't watching by now too too bad too bad uh yeah that it was the secretary uh who was bored and uh pretty much stole his identity because she knew all his passwords and everything so yeah don't ever tell your secretary all your business so the, the thing is is that they they did a, a very good job of kind of pointing you in a lot of different directions and they you got the least um the the person that you suspected the least because you didn't see her at all i mean like you saw her in the background as a background player you just never really connected the dots to it being her i thought it was the best friend for a while that guy yeah. like every time they talked to the volleyball player he popped up like hey uh, w- w- what are you talking to her for so um i don't know man it, it was kind of <laughs> kind of weird to see vinnie chase laying there dead uh <laughs> but uh yeah i mean overall it was definitely uh i liked it i enjoyed it and, and it definitely gave me the whole uh i'm nice shamalama ding dong uh unexpected ending at the end <laughs> that's what i say too oh shit i'm rubbing off on you um it really reminds right. me of the game clue where there's a here's yeah, the murder yeah. and you have to go backwards and try to solve that murder and what was the weapon and the motive and all that stuff so that was actually very well done in, in that aspect yeah, I mean, you know, Mrs. Parker in in the uh, in the living room with the candlestick. That was uh, that was right on point. Tell me, what what do you think about Squid Game, man? Crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, it was it was. I mean, it, it gets a little redundant for certain things, but um, the way that uh, they were, you know, killing off people when they don't complete their stuff, and then the uh, then there's like a sub level to that because. The, the employees with the pink suits are, are stealing uh, um, uh, organs and sending them off to the highest bidder. Uh, you got the storylines of 
the you know typical bully that is trying to bully his way through the whole thing and then you have you know the underdog who's a fuck up trying to you know mm. is he gonna make it all the way to the end um that glass one was wild that, that glass trap was wild i was like there, there I, I i've i've worked with different glasses like tempered and and, and regular and like there is a different sound to each one and there is a different uh, um film that looks gives it a different uh coloring so when he said that i'm like yeah that makes a lot of sense and then this motherfucker turns off the lights because <laughs> he picked they, they figured out that they figured it out so yeah i mean it, it was definitely uh it was a little bit of a shell shock when you heard first started hearing those uh those gunshots take off but um i will tell you this is that if you did not catch last night's snl there is a fantastic uh parody song it's kind of like this trap country type of song uh with pete davidson and rami malik um and uh yeah definitely definitely check that out because it's literally i think it's literally the entire story of squid game if you've completed the show definitely go and check that out because it was pretty damn funny um as for me you know around my house there are there's a lot of horror movie fans in here um one thing that we watched last night was something that i had never seen before oh boy feed me Feed me all night long. That's right, boy. You can do it. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me all night long. <laughs> so if you don't know who that is. What the fuck are you watching? <laughs> that's Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. It was really funny. I, like I said, I'd never seen this movie before. I knew about it for years. Um, now that it's on HBO, thanks Juan. Um, now that it's on HBO. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, Little Shop of Horrors, um, Rick Moranis, before he retired from acting, uh, he plays a lowly, uh, flower shop employee who's seems like he's in love with his coworker and they're looking for a way to boost sales. He finds this weird little plant in the basement and, uh, when they find out what it is, what it takes to uh, feed him and keep him alive, it's very interesting. Funny enough, there are this is there's a lot of songs in this in this uh, movie. It kind of remind me of Blues Brothers to a certain extent, um, or maybe a Fairly Brothers movie where you have a lot of songs kind of help with the narrative. And uh, interesting enough, uh, Pam and Gina from Martin were in this movie as singers. So uh, it, it was definitely uh, <laughs> it was definitely interesting. And uh, when I was watching it with my daughter last night, I says, is this the weirdest movie you've ever seen? She goes, yep. <laughs> um, we, we also watched uh, the original 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger, when he was just known as Fred back in the day. This was some of, I, I don't remember this. I don't remember watching it as a kid because uh, my dad from Jamaica used to watch a lot of James Bond, so we didn't watch these American horror movies. Um, but this was some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my entire life. Plenty of jump scares, real creepy story. Acting was dog shit. So, uh, you know, that's what you should expect uh, from 1984 acting. And the last thing that we that I watched was the, the series finale of the show um, on my block on Netflix. Uh, kind of a corny, you know, show. There's a lot of uh, goofy teen stuff in California. And uh, uh, it's it's an interesting show. It was definitely something I, I didn't know what to expect out of it. It was... Uh, yeah, it was basically like almost like an English version of a telenovela. So um, 
check it out if, if that's your kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I had fun watching it and it was it was nice to see it all kind of tied up in a bow, just following them through the end of their uh, high school career. Did Have you ever got a chance to check out that show? Yeah, I did finish that. I think I finished it within, uh, it took me like a day and a half to finish that. I really enjoy uh, On My Block because it's fucking funny. Hamal. How the, gra- how, his, how the grandma calls him that shit's that their relationship really made the show for me on how he he looked for help and she would help him and give him this life experience and and th- their their dialogue between them two is fucking hilarious and then you also had uh i can't remember the girl's name um the one dating ruby that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah that girl is fucking phenomenal too she's hilarious in it um the other characters, I'm just like, eh, I'm kind of bored with you guys with your drama. Um, but the, the whole spooky uh, uh, brother issue, that's a, that was a great story. But for me, yeah. the story that took it off was the whole finding the, the rollerblade, uh, rollerball. Roller world. Roller world roller money, world. yeah. Finding finding the money and the map and all this stuff and how Jamal is going through this whole thing. And then you see, uh, um, what is his name? What is the doctor's name? He's from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, he's, he's he's the head of Mayan. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, the head of Mayan. Yeah, yeah, and he's in the Mayans as well. So um, obviously, him playing a a a different type of character, uh, yep. if you want to say, it is hilarious in it too. And then there's a couple of other cameos from different actors, but it's a really good show. Um, it got a little too corny for me in in the middle of the uh, season three. But uh, like you said, it was wrapped up in a bowl and uh, good to go. Yeah, it was definitely, I will say, my favorite relationship is exactly the same one that you described, Hamal and, and Abuelita, um, the way that they interacted with each other. It was it was, it was was nice to see Jamal kind of um, evolve and then, but still remember who he was in the long run. Ruby and Jasmine were hilarious. We see the little guy and the big girl. I mean, that was that was pretty, pretty funny, the way that they kind of developed. And uh, the whole thing with uh, with Monse, she was she was just kind of annoying as as the, the time went on. Like she was very oblivious, or she was she liked to play oblivious when she really wasn't. And uh, that was they just kind of kept force feeding a lot of these stories in there. And you know the whole thing with the uh, I don't know with with the gang aspect and all that, and like how you think you can just come in and go come in and out of the gang, and that was kind of but whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, it, it's a it's a nice to see them find get to finish a series because a lot of times Netflix will give you one or two seasons and just kind of you know cut your legs out from underneath you. So that was uh, good to see. But uh, I, I think that's I think that's what we got for today. What do you think? Yeah. Um, just a side note: don't go into someone's house and uh, eat the jam. Oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you to our sponsors, 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Grit Clothing Company. Don't forget to go to gritclothingco.com and get your official TCSF podcast t-shirts. Search for keyword True Chicago and use our promo code TRUEFAN15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. That's TRUEFAN15. Go and get your shirts right now. Right now. Don't forget to check out our new friends over at acsi.tech and check out their career section for, to start an exciting new career in the communications industry. Go to acsi.tech, that's acsi.tech, and click on careers to apply today. 
A huge thank you to today's guest, Andrew Vega from Chuco Golf. Check out chucogolf.com. That's C-H-U-C-O golf.com. And check out their amazing lineup of golf apparel. Shout out to our friends at the Some of This, Some of That podcast now available on most major platforms. Coach Mo and Justice uh, out there having a good time. It is a great show. Go ahead and check them out. And don't forget to check out our friends over at the Shy Native Radio Podcast, now available on all major platforms. Mike Logic, Ideal Throw I'm Seeing Words, Talk About Sports, Movies, and All Types of Ill Shit. Go and check them out right now. Shout out to Ronesh and shout out to Panic and as and also our homie series beats for the beats we played on today's show. Check out paniconthebeat.com for all your Moleman merch and gear. And don't forget to check out Prod P-R-O-D by Sirius.com. That's P-R-O-D by Sirius.com to check out all of Sirius Beats music. Check us out on social media. You can find us at True Shy Fans on Twitter. That's at True CHI Fans on Twitter and on TikTok. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and reach out to us. Hit the DMs, hit the email. Uh, tell us what you think about the show, your story in the pot, and movie recommendations. You can email email us at TrueChicagoSportsFans at gmail.com. All right, y'all. For Big Z, this is E-Rock. We'll see you next week for episode 68. Until then, be good to each other. For the love of sports. Feed me. <laughs> oh, the many personalities of Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Am I good now? No, you're perfect now. Yeah, so. Um, you can I know just... I'm perfect. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> a few moments later. You have a lot of incest. That's real. Shut your mouth. Lover boy. Nature versus nurture, Lodge. Nature always wins. I think he's on steroids. Hasta luego, amigos. That's all. Oh, I shouldn't have had those artichoke poppers.